Alright guys, hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Down in the Valley. Uh, my name is Edson Ochoa. We have my uh, co-host uh, Jacob. How are you doing Jacob? Doing well, how about yourself? Doing really, really good, uh, thankfully. And we've also got uh, Sean on for a couple of minutes uh, before the Rockets game. Yeah, at 8 o'clock, I'm, I'm out of here, y'all. <laughs> if you got phone calls and we're still talking at 8 o'clock, I'm literally at 8 o'clock, right at 8. I will cut off and walk myself over to the couch. So finish your takes before 8. Yeah, so, but, I mean, he, he deserves to watch that, that Rockets game. He's, he's been super busy all week. That's that's fair. Yeah. I, I, you have, So, okay, uh, let me just say this, Edson. You get home typically, what, 6, 30, 7 o'clock every yeah. day? I have gotten home every day after you except for today. Mm-hmm. Even yesterday, I got home after you. Today, I got home before you. I finally got to depart at 5 o'clock today from over there, and I am oh so thankful to have this evening to, to kind of veg out a little bit. But, yeah, thank you for having me on. Yeah, no problem. I know it's going to be a very interesting uh, a topic today that, that has been uh, lit up uh, throughout the, the whole morning and uh, throughout the afternoon as well. Uh, but before we start on that, I just want to go ahead and uh, tell you all, thank you all for, for joining, for all those uh, four viewers. Be sure to leave a like on the video. Uh, we'll get to that, Blues fan. We'll get to that. <laughs> um, be sure to also check out our friends at the Beautiful Game Network. Uh, follow them on Twitter, at the BGNFM. Check out their website, uh, BGN.FM. While you're there, check out other um, USL podcasts like, like us. Including uh, Backchat Show, the uh, f uh, Rising as One, and we got some. We actually got some new. Even Las Vegas, we haven't. We have a new member uh, for the Las Vegas Lights. It's called the Las Vegas Lights Betting uh, Show, some, something like that. But they're brand. They're brand new. So be sure to check uh, check them out. Also check out our friends, our Dynamo Theory. Um, every Wednesday, uh, Carson with his article for the Bull and its Horns. Be sure to check that out as well. And uh, check, follow him at uh, Carson A. Merck. Follow Dynamo Theory at Dynamo Theory. Be sure to also check out uh, our personal website, www.downintherrgv.com, um, which is hosted by uh, Embrace Fusion, which is uh, Sean's company. So th thank you so much. Uh, while you're there, check out our articles. Uh, check out uh, our galleries. We also and we have you know our podcast will be posted there uh, once they are posted up on SoundCloud, uh, and you can also speaking of podcasts, you can also find them on uh, iTunes, Google Play Store, uh, Stitcher. Uh, so be sure to subscribe to them and uh, help us out in that regard. Okay, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm not hijacking your show. I promise. We didn't get to have Generation Orange yesterday, so I'm gonna hijack just this portion of it. So I want to read this tweet from Mark Berman. Four Santa Fe High School seniors, including Annabelle O'Day, established a charitable organization, Hearts United, to aid those affected by the tragedy. This caught me by surprise. They got a ton of help from Houston Dynamo president Chris Kennedy. Their first event is Monday at 3 at the park next to the May Bruce Library in Santa Fe. Kudos, Dynamo. That's pretty awesome. I think the Dynamo organization has done a good job in, in, in this aspect. I mean, uh, both the Dynamo and, and the Dash uh, actually had, uh, you know, uh, shirts during warm-up saying, you know, uh, Santa Fe strong Correct. or things in, in that regard. Uh, and I believe they, and they have been very, very helpful as well um, with, with, with them, with the students. So I really, really, really am happy that the, that the Dynamo uh, took this step. 
uh, for for these kids. So, having having said that, so let's go ahead and start uh, with today's show. And uh, it's a, been an interesting week for RGV. So we had we had uh, two games in the week, in the span of one week. Uh, we had on Saturday, uh, RGV played against uh, Swope Park Rangers, and um, and then yes, no, yeah, yesterday RGV played against LA Galaxy too. But we'll go ahead and start with the Swope Park Rangers game. We all know it ended at a zero zero, um, and. It was it was at this moment where a lot of us are, are starting to worry about the the offensive capability of this team in regards that it had been for the past three games, if I'm not mistaken, RGB had scored zero goals in favor. Yeah, they've kept a clean sheet uh, during those home games, but they were not doing what they needed to do on the offense. So what, was, uh, what can you tell me about that, Jacob? I mean, there's really not much to say besides the fact that RGVFC's offense didn't show up that night, but RGVFC's defense, especially their back line, was able to step up. And then, of course, we had that same slow start from RGVFC that we've seen a while from the second half. What do I mean by that is just they decided to come out slow, and Swope Park was able to gain momentum, gain ground, and was able to dominate. Uh, that portion of the game, kind of. Even though it was still really close, it was interesting. And then we also had that... uh, The possession was ridiculous. RGVFC did not have enough possession to really control that game. And I think it was like 50... Or not 50, it was like 60 to 30, something like that, Mm -hmm. in possession. So it wasn't as good as a performance as I would have liked to see from RGVFC. You mentioned the, the, the aspect that RGVFC comes out slow in the second half. Uh, in, the ga- in the previous game, you know, you know, against Reno, I thought, okay, maybe Reno modified some pieces, and that's why you saw an, a, a blatant difference uh, between first half and second half. But two, three games in a row having the same you know, uh, difference in, in, in both halves, it really leads me to believe what that it's not what the other team is doing, it's what RGVFC is not doing coming into the second half, where they're giving up possession, they're giving up uh, opportunities uh, to the opposition, and uh, when the, the defense can only do so much in that, in that regards. I mean, the last three games, they were clean sheets. Against Swole Park, it was a clean sheet, you know. But it's just, I mean, you see the potential that this team has in the first halves. Now, is it that they get tired in the second half? Or, or, or do, do they feel overconfident that, that they, you know, stop doing what, what they're doing? I, I just don't know. Yeah, I don't know as well. It... It's frustrating to watch. It's frustrating to see. You know, that second half, I mean, I know that I'm probably jumping the gun here, but I, when I watched the LA Galaxy game, right after the match, everyone from the whole, even LA Galaxy 2 side, they just fell on the ground in exhaustion. And so even in that, that, uh, 
second half of the Swope game, it felt like the same deal. It, it was just, I think they did get exhausted. I think Jerson has to go back and manage his subs just a bit more and see where RGVFC can maybe save some energy so that they can have a burst in the end because most likely in that second half, either RGVFC is only going to be up one or they're not going to be up at all and they still need to push for that goal. Yeah, definitely. Um, So before we continue, just want to let you all know, uh, phone lines are open, so be sure to to call us and give us your opinions, uh, 956-622-5977. What do you think this RGVFC needs? What what positions are lacking? Um, What do you and we'll we'll touch upon this later, but we'll go ahead and leave it now. What the the topic was that that was going through social media throughout the whole day, and that is, do you believe that that this relationship between RGVFC and the Houston Dynamo has benefited us, or is it hurting us? So go ahead and and uh, give us a call, because your opinion is very very important. This is your show as well, after all. But uh, going back to the. The Swope Park Rangers game. It just seems like in in in, in the office, nothing uh, was go was right in in the last touch. I mean, you had many opportunities. You had Aldo Quintanilla like going through like three attackers, going around the the, the goalkeeper, but Pablo Aguilar gets gets in his way, takes the shot, and it goes wide. It goes. It hits the outside of the net. Uh, you had another uh, Chuy Enriquez. Uh, opportunity as well that that was uh, I believe it was blocked by 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 the goalkeeper. Let me get his name uh, by Eric Dick, and then that Todd Warden penalty. We all thought because we had seen like Todd Warden had taken penalties before and always looked confident, always looked poised. And knew where to hit the ball, you know, for it to go to the back of the net. And this time, he uncharacteristically threw it not only through the middle, but at, at a at a height that w- that was easy enough for the goalkeeper to get a hand on it and uh, not allow it to go in, in, inside of the goal. Exactly. Now, of course, we could also talk about this. The goalkeeper ended up becoming off of his line right as Todd Wharton took that penalty. But at the same time, you're not going to get that call uh, nine times out of ten. It's only going to be called rarely in the sport. I've only maybe seen it being called maybe once in my lifetime. I'm probably over-exaggerating, but that's basically how it felt. And a lot of different aspects could have gone. He could have. He should have gone wide to maybe the right or left to try and fool the goalkeeper. He did try to fool him in that stutter step, but it didn't really help. I just feel that the stutter step, if you don't have, if you're not highly talented, like for example, Cristiano Ronaldo, Neymar, or players like that, high caliber players, uh, the stutter step can actually hurt you. Because it, it comes to a point where it, you take a lot more time to take the shot. And right in the middle of it, you start doubting where you want to place the ball. 
And so you're not the shot it doesn't come out as confident as you probably were thinking of it before you started taking steps uh, towards the spot. So I, I, I just felt that that could have been the problem with Todd Warden. We don't know because Todd Warden really did not uh, make much uh, of a mention in his because uh, he got interviewed by Carson. Uh, for the bull and its horns, but he really didn't make mention what happened, and he was not available for uh, post game interviews after that game. Mm-hmm. But you know, that could have been an opportunity that could have changed the game for the second half because now Swole Park Rangers would have had more, would have needed to open up spaces in order to look for, for the equalizing goal, and yet it just didn't. It just didn't happen in the second half. You know, like we were talking about, it was uh, Don, you know, the RGV let off, left the foot off the pedal, off the accelerator pedal. And we've seen that time and time again, where RGVFC do that exact same thing. They did it against San Antonio. I honestly feel like they did it against even Fresno too, because they had a chance to beat Fresno. They had all these opportunities, but of course, it's just not talk about i guess that far in the past and then coming up to swope park same deal you have these opportunities you don't want to make that last pass to have a chance and then in the second half you when you take your foot off the gas you're giving the opposition chance after chance after chance and when that happens it's most likely it's going to go through from a goalkeeper standpoint and from a backline standpoint you can't do that time and time again and that's what RGVSC let Swope Park do, and it became, you know, it became a big challenge. And then when you had RGVFC try and take it down, they would almost just miss that extra pass to make things work. Yeah, it, it, it's it's worrying because you saw similar things as well. You know, uh, pushing back up to to the LA Galaxy two game, uh, where you saw many up many chances where, for example, Chuy Enriquez had an opportunity to pass it to an open man, decides to take the shot, and, and it's just that decision making I think uh, is lacking. I think Chuy Enriquez, yes, for the most part, he is more he's a more daring uh, player who will try to, you know, get past the defenders, try to look try to look for the cross or try to look for the shot. And uh it seems like he's the only one out on the wing that they that was placed not counting uh Victor Garza. Uh now that he's, you know, he's injured, he has uh yesterday uh he went into ACL surgery. So he's more than likely going to be out for the rest of the season. But other than that, you know, John Montaño Zach Wright, um, who uh, who else usually goes goes in? You know, they aren't they aren't really bringing something different in in, in this offense. They're not as daring a, a, as Chuy Enriquez, and and the you notice you noticed that like even in the LA Galaxy two game, you know, the commentators were saying the RGVFC offense is too lopsided to the left. All of the attack goes through Chuy Enriquez. It's maybe they're not as confident as Chuy Enriquez, like uh, these other players, but it's so apparent where to the point where with Chuy Enriquez, 
you get two or maybe three defenders going up against him to try to stop him. And it's not really taken, really taken advantage of. Exactly. And then I can also add this on. RGVFC has not really been able to take advantage of getting set pieces. Like against LA Galaxy 2, they had a t- LA Galaxy 2 played with fire. They came out just showing a fierce ability and in the first five minutes gets a player booked and gets another player booked as well later in the game. But they had a lot more fouls than RGVFC did. I believe in the first half, RGVFC had one foul to seven fouls from LA Galaxy 2. And it gave RGVFC a chance, especially a lot of times, when they had set-piece opportunities to play it inside the box, and it would just get knocked out. And same thing, they can, LA Galaxy were able to concede a lot of corners to RGVFC, and RGVFC was not able to put even one of those away. And it's frustrating when you can't even do that on the other side, let alone given the fact that your defense in the second half is just going to basically give up when you're up one goal. Definitely. Uh, so a blues fan says, why does RGV continue to disappoint me? You're not alone, man. You're not alone. I mean, you can tell by the way we're, we're talking and the way we're expressing him, uh, our, ourselves about the team. It's, it's different. Like it used to, we felt very happy go lucky. Like, Oh, okay. Okay. Really tired. All right. You know, It'll get better. You're seeing some positive things. But now it's come to the point where, like, it's the same thing every week. So Jacob and I were talking about last night on uh, on his Instagram where they're always talking in the post-game uh, interviews. We know what we did wrong. Um, we know this isn't right. We sh- we need to get wins we, we, and, and things like that. And yet... The same result keeps on happening. It's already been more than a month, almost two months, where we're not not including the Orange County game. You know, we're we're not getting the results, and it's always the same the the, the same thing every week. I mean, what's what's going on? At what time? At what, it, when is it going to be where it's where it can say, "All right, it's been fixed. We st- we're starting to get the, the we're starting to get the results." You when know, you stop watching matches. I'm kidding. <laughs> I just had to interject. I didn't have anything to add other than that. So sorry. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm still here, just in case anyone's wondering. <laughs> but you know, I'm getting worried. The fans are getting angry. You know, I'm seeing it on so- social media, where people are are already starting to get mad at this team. You know, people are already starting to point out diff- hot takes, bro. Hot takes. It's starting to point out specific players, and I don't know. Like, for starters, I think for me, I think we need better wingers. Uh, we talked about it yesterday that these, besides Chuy Enriquez, there's really no other winger that that'll make good enough crosses to give our attacker, whether it's Aldo or Guillermo Delgado or Max Dees when he gets brought down, like, clear opportunities on goal. I mean, even Aldo Quintanilla uh, yesterday in the LA Galaxy 2 game, you saw him going out to the wing and pre- create better crosses than, than Matias Aldívar. The, there was that opportunity where Aldo Quintanilla 
crosses the ball towards Max Steves. Yeah, it's a little bit, uh, a little bit. It was a little bit behind Mac. Uh, he was able to control it. But by the time he wanted to shoot, you know, the, the defender got to him first and, and uh, hit hit the ball away from Max Steves. You know, but other than, other than that, like the crosses always tend to go towards the defender or to nobody at all. And it, it's troubling when a, when a team who relies too much, a lot, I uh, should say, on wing play cannot get clear opportunities because they're not, they haven't dialed down their crossing yet. Exactly. Wing plays on offense are key to get done. That I think that's why there's been a big problem in set pieces as well. If you can't get those set pieces A, then you can't really be a wing team. You have to go into the middle. Yet, RGVFC decides, let's play out wide, which is cool. You use up all the space on the pitch. It's nice. But then you're going to get trapped, and you're going to basically have to force it up into the box, and it's most likely going to get knocked away. Is there a chance for an RGVFC player to control it and maybe get inside the box then? Yes, but that's really unlikely considering the fact of who you know we've played in the past not just la galaxy swope san antonio they love to counter and when you you lose the ball like that boom it's a counter attack and your defense that's basically been pushed up has to go all the way back and sometimes it's really difficult for that defense to get back and that's what that's what we saw against LA Galaxy 2, and that's why that goal, in a sense, went into the back of the net. Nico Cordy, sure, he could have stayed in his box, but at the same time, he wanted to be aggressive, and he almost got there, but the LA Galaxy 2 player was just a bit more skilled and was able to go around. Yeah, definitely, and the, the more troubling aspect of this is that... Um, LA Galaxy, before the goal, had tried like around five or four times the same play. Lobbed through balls, early crosses, and almost all of the opportunities landed to the LA Galaxy attacker who went past our defenders with just their speed. We had Alvarez doing it. Uh, uh, what was is his name? Kerpak, I think, uh, was the LA Galaxy, the, the striker. Kerpak. No, no, he's another, he's another guy for LA Galaxy 2. No, Tur Chris Turpak uh, is the one that was uh, released oh, right. by LA, right. L not LA Galaxy, San Antonio. Yeah. Um, but one Sorry. thing I did want, I did want to talk about, uh, kind of, since we kind of led already to the LA Galaxy 2 game, and that's because Blues fan really wants to talk about it, and that is that counterattack before the equalizing goal by Los Dos. That counterattack that was all on John Montaño. That was, uh, it was a three three v two opportunity for the Toros, and John Montaño just ruins it. Yeah, that three v two for the Toros, and it's it, poor, poor play is really all I have to say on that because there was no need, and. It's just really frustrating to see a team that has a chance to go inside the box, but then just mess everything up. Yeah, so kind of the way I, I described it, um, 
yesterday on the live on the live stream uh, was John Montano grabs, I believe it was after a corner, corner kick, lands on John Montano. He starts running. It's a 3v2 opportunity. And he runs straight to the Los Dos defender. Uh, and not only that, the, the fact that him being a bigger guy than the other defender does not know how to use his strength to shield the ball properly, gets taken down really easily, and loses the ball. And then a couple of plays later, that's when uh, Los Dos finds the equalizer once again with a long lob through ball, like like in, like we just described. But it's it's to a point. I'm sorry, but it's to a point where I said, and you can ask the guys at the disc at the Dynamo Discord chat. I said we're playing with ten men. Why? Because John Montano was subbed in. That's how how bad I think. John Montano has played so far and we have not seen any more of uh, of uh, a team Monday uh, we have not seen any more not even of Guillermo Delgado um, Zach Zach Wright is put given sporadic minutes and what my question is what does Gerson Echeverri see in John Montano because it's the same thing we're seeing ever since that San Antonio uh, preseason match. And Sean was there. And he saw him. And he's like, yeah, like, he, he got tired really easily. Didn't really know what to do with the ball. And have not, I have not seen it. Other than that assist that he had at the, at the home opener, that's it. That's all he's done. Exactly. And I know how much yeah, we've talked about Montano just not playing well. And I guess what Jerson sees in him is before the match. And it's frustrating. I think even Jerson said it in the press conference after the game. He said something like this, that even though we're doing really well in practice, it's the game that matters. And so I think each time he's seen really good things from John Montano during practice. So that's why he puts him in the lineup. And when John Montano plays, it, John Montano just doesn't know how to play, I guess, in a game scenario in a way. And when, yeah, practice and a game are two different things. I know that it sounds so, uh, like, so old because of the Allen Iverson thing, but it is true. They're two different things. Practice? You talk about practice? Practice? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, and it's sad that someone who is supposed to be a pro player, who technically has a little bit more experience in pros than the rest of the guys, doesn't know how to put in what he does in practice in the game. Can't handle maybe his uh, his emotions. I, I, I don't know. But it, it, it's just, like I said, it's almost like playing with one man down. And it's, I mean, it sucks to say that, but that's that's how I see it. We're lo losing balls really easily. Can't get, can't get a decent cross. Sometimes even there was a time, uh, there was a play, in fact, where he got in the way of, uh, I believe it was uh, Max Steves, if not uh, Jordan Jones, actually. Uh, right at the at the end of at the end of the match, 
Last uh, last game against uh, Swell Park Rangers had a uh, had a good opportunity to score the game winning goal at the very last minute, and he and he pretty much shoots it over to like I said before to the to the <laughs> to the golf course behind the uh, behind H E B Park it, because it wasn't even heading towards towards the towards the goal. No, it was not heading towards the goal at all. It was heading. It, it was heading off. Even, I think, Caesar, our cameraman, he even said it was basically heading into, or maybe it was Ray. Either way, they said heading into section 111, basically. <laughs> That's how bad the shot was. Yeah, and you just, can't, you just cannot have that. And so it leads, leads me to believe that at least in those, it's almost like those positions, the... The players that they got were pretty much kind of like, oh, okay, well, kind of last minute, last minute thing. Because John Montano, like I said, it all of a sudden, like at at that uh, at that match against San Antonio, that's where we find out, oh, where did he come from? Or like, where, where did he come from? I didn't even know about it. He wasn't announced. He was he wasn't. Uh, in, I mean, anything. In fact, nobody like even I. I tried doing research on him. I didn't. Nobody could could say where where. All we know is he's Colombian. We never, but we never knew like what exactly what team he came from or, in, or anything like that. Um, so I do also want to point out. Um, so there were some differences uh, in the lineups between these two games uh, against uh, against Swill Park Rangers. You had your typical lineup. You know, you had uh, Nico Cordy uh, on the goal and the, and the defense. You had uh, Kyle Adams, Omar Tiveros, Connor Donovan, and Manny Padilla. Uh, the, the the young uh, draft draftee in the midfield you had come on uh, Chuy Enriquez on the on the left wing Nicolas Perea Todd Warden and uh, Matias Saldivar uh, out on the right wing and then out in up in the attack he had uh, Pablo Aguilar and Aldo Quintanilla and I just cannot stop saying good things about Aldo Quintanilla. The hustle that he brings to this game, the fact that he dares himself to shoot outside the box like he did against Ailey Galaxy 2, trying different things, you know, coming back, coming down to the midfield to try to um, get help his teammates in, in building up the attack, uh, making sure that, th that there's no huge space between him and the midfielders. And, and uh, like I said, you know that agility that he has—it's—it's—it's it's, it's a good. It, he's brought a lot of good things to RTVSC. He just needs more help from the rest of his team. I feel like sometimes he's—he's he's too isolated. For sure, way too isolated sometimes. And I mean, even back with Aldo Quintanilla. When you're when you know you're doing something right is when you get called in to get interviewed two times in a in a week. And what what do I mean by that is he was interviewed on Saturday for the Swope game, and then he was interviewed after the game uh, Wednesday or last night yeah. for the LA Galaxy game. So he he's doing something right. He just needs to keep that momentum up. He can only do so much because he's on offense. As long as he keeps on putting away goals or even assisting in goals just being a playmaker is all he needs to do and you'll see big things from that guy yeah definitely now going now towards the la galaxy 2 game 
you had the lineup. The starting 11 was uh, Nico Cordy back on goal, Kai Green, Kyle Adams, Robert Castellanos, and Jared Watts in the defense. Uh, Nicolás Perea, and, and then Matias Saldivar and Todd Warden. Aldo Quintanilla, his Chuy Enriquez, and Max Steves. Now, what jumped my attention is that big change in the defense where four or three of the four defenders that brought you the clean sheets did not return to, to, to the lineup. And I understand, like I said yesterday, that Kai Green, maybe he has more of uh, experience, veteranship, leadership, especially when you're going up against a wonder kid like Alvarez, uh, Efrain Alvarez, who what I, what I actually saw out on social media was actually, I guess you can say discovered by Eric Cantona. Uh, when he was like nine years old, so he is that good, and just the fact that they were able to con the, they were able to control him is a good sign that okay maybe this defense wasn't playing as bad as I thought originally uh, yesterday after the game, but it just it just caught my attention that you know kind of like like, like they say if it if it isn't broken don't fix it, and yet it 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 was moved. Yeah. It was moved big time. All the... Oh, we, got uh, a, yeah. we got a call. Yeah, it's fine. Welcome to uh, Down in the Valley. Who's Who am I speaking with? Edson, how are you doing? Hey, I'm listening to those points you're giving out right now on the defense. Yeah. I, and uh, I think you're... Uh, I mean, we talk about that, that point right there. Like... Uh, I mean, if it's if it's working, don't fix it. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, I don't know what the plan was. I mean, I'm not saying the other players that came in. I mean, they're not good players. They're good. But, uh, I mean, you had the four defenders, and uh, they gave you three clean sheets. So what's the reason uh, for changing it out? I mean, it's uh, 75% of your uh, defense. I mean, it's gonna it's gonna affect the team uh, somehow or uh, somewhere down the line, and, and I think that that was one of the things that happened last night. I mean, that the guys coming down from Houston. Uh, I don't know. The way I see it is, uh, we're having problems out there. I mean, not getting goals. And, uh, I mean, you're going to need somebody or you're going to need something to do on the team that is going to help you out. And, and uh, I don't know, that's, that's a thing that I'm still thinking about. I mean, I don't know what, what the uh, Profe Cheverde was thinking about or what he was planning on. But uh, I think, I mean, I think that was one of the problems. Um, so, and, uh, mm -hmm. so, Jacob... You were there in the post game conferences. Did he did he make a mention about these uh, why he made these uh, changes in the defensive lineup? Um, I don't necessarily remember that much because of the fact that once again he spoke really softly because he was once again upset, and yeah, it didn't help when he was speaking really softly. And 
he didn't really mention why he made those changes, but in my opinion, I think it's like what you said a bit because of there there was more speed with them, but then it goes back to only changing so much. We thought that that was a bad thing at the start, where and then finally he left the lineup the way it was. But those small changes are fine. When you basically create a whole new back line, that's a problem. And I think that's what he did. And I, I don't know exactly why he did it, but it happened. Yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't really, you can't really say. Well, I mean, they had like what is it, like four, four day difference. But, but still, my main concern is, you know, with this defense that is giving you clean shit, and then all of a sudden you bring in three different guys, one of them being a player coming in from Houston, which I can safely assume did not train with the rest of the team because he was more than likely brought down the day before. You know, that doesn't help at all with the understanding between the chemistry that was developed between these, these four players. And... Um, I think in the end, that's what ended up one of the one of the reasons why they scored, or why LA Galaxy two played the way they did with those through balls through, uh, up in the air, and uh, and then in the second half, you pretty much waste uh, a substitution to bring in Adam Lundqvist uh, into the game right at right at the before the second half. You know that's an unnecessary change right there in the regular sense of you know looking. For you know, some change in in the formation, some change in tactic that'll benefit you uh, in the in trying to to get the win. This was more along the lines of the Dynamo <laughs> come coming to Jerson Echeverri said, "Okay, we're sending you these players, but you have to put them. You have to make sure that they play a certain amount of minutes." And so that's what I see because you can't really explain why why Watts was substituted at the half and then brought in for Adam Lukvist. Number one, Jared, uh, Jared Watts, you know, he did not really look that tired, uh, you know, even though he's coming off an injury. And number two, he was, it, the change wasn't needed there. So you, so you pretty much wasted a, 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 a substitution that could have been useful in the, late, in the later stages uh, of the game. Now, number two is last week against Swell Park Rangers, Jerson Echeverry tells the press uh, us tells us in the press conference, "Hey, you know what? Something needs to be done. I'm going to need to talk to to Houston to see if they can bring down some players." <laughs> but we were talking yeah, about uh, uh, the, the the point on that one that uh, you just talked about is is Houston is Dynamo helping out RGV or uh, RGV is helping out uh, Houston. I mean, uh, what uh, uh, Echeverri said uh, last week was, uh, uh, we're going to get uh, some help down here. Okay, but uh, it seems like uh, it's the other way. I mean, if if uh, Dynamo is sending out a couple of uh, players down here, is that because those two players, they have not played on, on the Dynamo games and they need they need to get some minutes on the field? I mean, is that is that what uh, what it's all about? I mean, it's it's uh, helping out Dynamo and not the other way. I mean, because if that's a, if that's a, that's a way it's going to be working out. I mean, uh, it's not. Uh, I mean, it's not helping out any on on our side. Well, let, let and and uh, like it was mentioned uh, on the media during the day that uh, 
I mean, people down here, I mean, are getting frustrated. So I mean, you get out of the field, you get out of the, the stadium, and, and you get, uh, I mean, anger and, and frustration and all that because of uh, what what you're seeing on the on the field. So, who who do you want from the Dynamo? Do I? Uh, well, as far as names, I cannot mention no names. I mean. Uh, it's just uh, going over and, and, and talk about, like like Echeverri said, I mean, we need some help or uh, we're going to have to work it out. Okay, but are we going to see it from the, the uh, Toros uh, point of view or are we going to see it from the Dynamo point of view? I mean, who's going to be helping who? That's That's my point. Yeah, I, see, the, the main problem, and that's what I was going to, what it's hitting at, is that Jerson Echeverri was looking, okay, we need help in the attacking portion of the game, whether the wingers or whether they attack. But two out of the three players that they got, that were sent down to RGV were defenders. We don't, we didn't need exactly. help. Exactly. We didn't, one, we didn't need help with the, with the defensive aspect. In the- I get that, I get that. But stop and think about the question I just asked you. Who from the Dynamo in those positions do you want? I'm waiting because the answer is the best players on the Dynamo right now in those positions. I mean, the best players on the Dynamo right now in the starting 11 are in those positions, not the positions they sent you, but in those positions, they don't have a lot of depth themselves at those positions. Our wing depth light at the Dynamo. You know, this Our forward depth in the Dynamo, extremely light. You know, this Our attacking midfielder depth in the Dynamo, extremely light. You know, this. My point as a Dynamo fan to you is who from the Dynamo in the attacking third do you want? I can understand two names. Uh, two names, sorry. Held up one finger. But two names. Two names. And you said them earlier. Mac and Memo. Thanks. But what if they are part of the Dynamo's plan and the whole reason the Dynamo haven't sent them back down is because they actually plan to sub them on very soon for some other matches. What about Everett Bird? That he's not an attacking player per se. He's a center mid who plays center mid, not necessarily attacking third. But with RTV, he played a, a center attacking midfield role. Uh, uh, or you can, he, he was used also as well in the wing. And who's to say he won't still be sent down? Who, who's to say he still won't be sent down? You're assuming that this is the end. This is, you, you know what I'm saying? The only reason I say this is it, you're, you, you, I, I'm hearing what you're putting out there on the phone. He's saying, you know, we, is it, is it, which way is it? Is it the Dynamo helping RGV or RGV helping the Dynamo? Well, the answer is it's RGV helping the Dynamo. But on the other end of that stick is what can the Dynamo do to actually help RGV? The answer is with the way that the Dynamo are constructed right now with their roster, the way it is right now, they don't have the depth to bring those players down that you want. We don't have forward depth. If we sent down Mac, we would have nobody left at forward except for Morrow. If Morrow got injured, we'd be effed. If we sent down Mac, uh, not Mac, Memo, we have nobody at attacking mid-depth except for Arturo Alvarez, which don't get me wrong, he's good attacking mid-depth, but he's really not that fast anymore. He's not the guy lighting that fire when we need it in the final moments of a match. So my point is that I'm trying to make here, and I hope that RGV fans are listening, and hey, I trust me, I feel where you're coming from is just think about what you're actually asking for. 
the Dynamo don't have these magic players, magic beans to send down to you that are going to make your team better. They don't. So the reality is they're going to send who they send. Whatever. Don't worry about that. How can the Dynamo help you guys sign better players for RGV specifically? That's the question you need to be asking. Not who can they send us, who can they sign for us? Yeah, and that, but the problem is we're in mid, we're in mid season, so it's kind of you can say too late to say like, oh, who can they sign specifically for us? Where you mentioned the Dynamo, Dynamo's going to look well, up for themselves first. Let me, let me let me ask you this question: Who is doing the scouting for RGV? Because these are issues that should have been confronted before the season. These are not things you knew going into the season, you being the collective RGV, not you, even though I'm like staring a dagger into you right now. <laughs> but the question is, how does RGV, who does the scouting for RGV? The answer to that is it is the Dynamo. My problem is, who are you griping at from the Dynamo? Are you griping at Coach Wilmer because he's not sending down the players you really want to have? Or are you griping at the guys that are helping to technically run RGV from a technical standpoint, which is not Wilmer. So Johnny brings up a good point, and he says, we don't want, or at least in his case, we don't want Dynamo players. We want our players to develop without risk of getting taken away. Okay. That's never going to happen. You and I know this. We've had this conversation before. That's never going to happen. If a player develops, he is always going to be a Dynamo possibility. Always. Yeah, and then so taken away and not being used, and then we have the problem with Charlie Ward. Which now he now you're he's, absolutely oh. on that note. You are absolutely one hundred percent right. And I did say RGV are helping the Dynamo. However, the issue is not what you're worried about. The issue is that the scouting for RGV is null. <laughs> like there's not any going on. We see some of these players being brought in. They're bring, being brought in by. Gerson and his staff. They're not being brought in by the technical help that Dynamo are supposed to be providing, right? So, it, it uh, I'm getting to a point here, and this is going to tie into something you and I have like been harping on all season for the Dynamo as well. That structure comes from the top. Those decisions come from the top. Now, they're allowed for uh, Gerson and, and Wilmer to make those decisions as far as who goes back and forth. But the problem is the Dynamo are not signing players specifically for RGV that are the caliber and quality that you want. And then you compl- – okay, so so actually I'm going to back this up for a second. So let's say the Dynamo sign a player that you want that's a high-caliber player. He's playing good quality soccer. You know he's going to the Dynamo because the Dynamo are always going to look out for the Dynamo first. That's your point, and I get it. But you're also the sister club. You're also the feeder club. You're a farm team. You don't have to like it. And I really wish marketing would be better because that's exactly what you guys are. And it sucks to hear that as a fan. But the reality is it's always going to be that way. Well, it's going to be that way as long as there's a relationship. But you know, <laughs> neither here nor there. Yeah. So, yeah, go ahead. I think he was just clearing his throat. Mm-hmm. Jacob? Okay, well, yeah, I see exactly that. It's, and I see where you're coming from too, as well, Sean. Because, yeah, I've also noticed that Houston doesn't have a lot of depth, and they can't give us exactly what they want. Because guess what? They also sell it. They also constantly sell the players that RGVFC has had before, Preach. and then, you know, they 
they keep them for their self. They keep them basically in hostage. And when it comes to time for uh, for Houston to sign a better player, bye. You're, you're gone. You're gone to Jacksonville. You're gone to... San Antonio? Exactly. Well, but San not, Antonio right there. But but the thing is, is well, they're, not, they're, not, they're not sold to San Antonio. Let's clarify this now. They're not sold to San Antonio. Oh, Re- released and then picked up San, by San Antonio. San so, yeah, Antonio. Let's, let's give San Antonio credit. And, and you know, I know you guys hate to do this, but let's give San Antonio credit. They're smart. All they're doing is they're waiting for the Dynamo sloppy seconds. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. Harry, I know you're listening. And yes, that was totally meant for you, man. Yeah, uh, like for example, going back, we were talking about Emilio Garcia. Emilio Garcia was a really good winger for RGV the inaugural season and in 2017. He, he was one of the little. Now he's without a contract. Yeah. He was not signed yeah. by the Toros. So they've had what? They, they've picked up three Dyna, ex Dynamo players, four at this point, maybe more. Um, Here's a question for you, and this is going to tie into something, too, that I think I think maybe would be worth you guys discussing RGV-wise. I've got 15 minutes, so maybe I'll get a chance to chime in on that, too. Here's the question. How many players have left RGV at this point and become good players for their teams? Have left the Dynamo organization as a whole and become good players for their teams? Sebastian Ibeaga. I got one. There's more. He's not the only one. Come on now. <laughs> That left the, the whole Dynamo organization. Yeah, yeah. No, they can't just leave RGV and go to the Dynamo. They have to leave RGV and the Dynamo, the Dynamo organization. See, I can't, I can't say Ivan Magalis because he's struggling with uh, Tampa exactly. Bay Rowdies. Exactly. Um, Adam Moffat is one, but he wasn't an RGV player. It was before RGV was RGV, but it's still the same type of player. So, te- go ahead, Jacob. Technically also Steinberger, too. Zach Steinberger. Yeah, that's another one. He's been doing really well with his team. Um, and so the reason I asked that question is it's important to think about because the question then becomes, is it dynamo scouting slash RGV scouting, bringing in young players to work through the system, or is it players getting frustrated at the system, not working the way they want it to work? Or thirdly, is it a lack of professionalism from those players? And when they go play for a USL specific club that does not have a feeder team like a San Antonio they don't have to have that professionalism. That's the, They know that's as high as they're going to go, so they go all out. There's a lot of depth in that question. There's a lot of meat, a lot of substance to that question, and there's a reason for that. It's because... I'm not surprised he hung up at this point. <laughs> I've been going on for a while without him. Mm-hmm. My, my thought, though, my proce- my, the way I'm processing this here, and the reason I bring this up, is I want you guys to think outside the box. What I hear from all these RGV fans, and I'm, I'm, I'm congregating, not congregating, I'm grouping them together at this point because it's a lot of the same stuff. We need this player. We need this player. Not specific players, but we need players at these positions, or we need to improve at these positions, or we need to do this, or we need to do that. That's great. You do. You're not, you're not wrong at all. You're absolutely 100% on point. But how do you improve those things? It's not just bringing in new players to fill those voids that are better. It's learning how the dynamo scout that makes a difference. And it's because when they start bringing in players, if they bring in the right players, it's going to improve RGV, which is going to also improve the dynamo. But how, when it's, everything is just so secretive about it. That's a dynamo organization issue that you and I have talked about repeatedly as well. Transparency is not a dynamo trait. No, we, I mean, we know that it's just, it, it's, it, it, that, it sucks that, as a fan 
It's, uh, it sucks as a fan. I'm not going to steal your thunder, I promise. But it sucks as a fan. Trust me, we were there. We were going through the same things before RGV. RGV is not a new phenomenon or anything. It's not. Other USL clubs that are tied to MLS teams struggling with a lot of the same issues. It's not just you guys. It's This system is very specific. We've had two years with the Wilmer system in the, in the Dynamo. One and a half year. Well, yeah, two years because he started at the beginning of last year. So two years with, the, with Wilmer's system in full. RGV's had one more year of that, maybe a year and a half, because he came in kind of part way. No, he was three total years in the system. Mm-hmm. How about we give the guy like five years of his system to see if it actually does anything? Systems don't work overnight. There are very few coaches, even on the international stage, that their system, when they come implement it, implements it, and it works in the first year. Very few. Very few. Very, very few. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. Look at Liga MX. How many coaches come in with a system and a specified style of play, and it takes more than the first year to implement it? Does that get implemented in their U20 teams? The answer is no, it does not. It takes even longer to get it through your system because you're building these players from the ground up. You can bring in players that fit the system, but just because a player fits the system doesn't mean he fits the organization. They're two separate entities. That's the problem. When your Dynamo organization office sucks ass pardon my french it trickles down that's why players leave not because the dynamo don't want them because the player wants to leave so you think that is is the reason why we season after season we you're never not getting repeat players you're not getting three years of a player you're not getting a player in the system long enough to grow with the system look at players that have memo rodriguez uh, uh, what's his name that I can't remember? He's a. <sighs> he came from the Dynamo Academy and just went to RGV, and I can't think of his name. Luca Taro? Yes. No, not Luca. Luca left. Yeah. Okay. The guy who didn't leave. He's he's playing with him right now. He came through the academy. Just nobody know. Like he, he was one of those low key academy players that nobody thought was going to amount to anything, and now he's actually playing decent, decently. But I can't think of who he is. It's been a long week. That's my excuse. Um, <laughs> but I mean, again, three years. Give me a player in the system for three years, and I promise he's going to be a better player. Like, he's going to be significantly improved. Uh, Kai Green. Kai Green's a good example. He's, and he's improved significantly since he started. And, you know, at some point he is going to move up. But if Wilmer doesn't like him, I mean, that's, that's you know, neither here nor there. Kai Green and Todd Warden. Todd Warden's another good one. But, and, and technically Bird has been with them three years now. Yes. And he's reaching that point. He's, he's progressing to the next level. You guys should never have a player more than three years in your in or RGV. You shouldn't. It should be a constant cycle of players. It should be. Now, that three years is a lot of time for players to gel. The problem is you're never going to have a complete team of starters that gel for the full three years. It's going to be a constant shifting and cycle of players. Even the Dynamo go through that. Two-thirds of our starting roster has turned over in less than two years. Actually, I take that back. All of our Dynamo starting roster has turned over in two to three years. So if that's happening at the top level, shouldn't you kind of expect that at RGV level too? It's a trickle-down effect. It's going to be that way, I promise. All right, give me one more call. If somebody want to call in, you got two minutes. Throw me down under the bus. Bring it. Come on, Johnny. So 
Oh, yeah, Johnny and I will throw down, and I got no problem with it. Come on, Johnny, <laughs> bring it. Yeah, so I saw that there was actually some, there was actually like a little... Oh, nobody likes to hear it. Nobody wants to hear what I have to say about that because it, it goes counter to what everybody wants to hear, which is, oh, yeah, we're going to fix it. It's going to be great. Everything's going to be wonderful. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be great, guys. I promise. It's going to be awesome. We're going to build a big wall, and it's, <laughs> and it's going to be the greatest wall ever built. And we'll get It'll them be, to pay for it. We'll get we'll San Antonio to pay for it. it. I, just, I just had to do that. Sorry, guys. No, I mean, <laughs> so... Donald Trump. <laughs> so in summary, in that summary, was a lot. Sorry. So in summary, it's going back to what we always talk about. It's dynamo organization. It all just it goes back to the all, all. It goes to the tip of the spear, right? All roads you got a phone lead, call. All roads lead to. See, Rome. look, somebody wants to. Uh, it's probably him. Is it Johnny? Welcome to Down the Valley. Who am I speaking with? Hey, Edson. It's Alex. Alex, the early bird. Hey, how are you doing, Alex? I'm good. How are you? It's good to talk to you guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, uh, no, I just want to, uh, you know, I just want to uh, talk a little bit about uh, this partnership between the Dynamo and and the Toros, and you know, I'm really not for it at all, um, and I just I can't. I can't see any real benefits from it anymore. Um, I don't know, man. I'm I'm really all out on the whole Dynamo thing, and uh, yeah, I mean, I hear I understand a lot what your your partner Sean is saying there, um, but I disagree. Like, we shouldn't have we shouldn't just accept that it's going to be a constant revolving door of players at this at this team. I really think we need to 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 move away from that, and to be not to be honest with you, I don't even look at the tour. I I don't even look at the San Antonio FC as our main rival anymore. I really look at the Dynamo as our biggest rival right now, because if you're a Toros fan, I really think you need to be wholeheartedly against this partnership and just fighting tooth and nail to get some more autonomy for for the valley yeah go ahead i actually don't disagree with alex interesting and here's why how much benefit have the dynamo had by having rgv remember this is a two-way street we have no starters that have come from rgv Could it be because you've hmm. t- you've taken the players too early? And I uh, here's my point behind that though. It's not beneficial either way because it's an organizational issue. It's hemorrhaging and hurting both teams both ways. If the organization at the top was structured and handled better, like Red Bulls, or like Red Bulls or L.A. or Seattle or, or Portland or Swope or you know, the 80 some odd teams. I mean, Atlanta's team is a good example. Well, Atlanta doesn't have a team anymore. They're different, but actually they do. Don't they? It starts uh, Atlanta, Atlanta too. Atlanta too. Um, but, but the, the, the thought process point there is I don't disagree with him because it's not been beneficial to either side. The problem is the dynamo aren't going anywhere. You can hate it all you want. The dynamo are not going anywhere anytime soon. The dynamo see it as beneficial. Don't ask me why. I have no idea. But 
we as fans, nobody on either side really sees it as all that beneficial. I want you to do this for me for the second hour. I want you to poll on the Dynamo Discord and in YouTube chat. YouTube chat. How many fans on either side think this is beneficial? I'd be curious how many Dynamo fans on Dynamo Discord actually find this a beneficial arrangement. I bet you'd be surprised. I'll, I'll post. I'll post. Uh... But that's a good call out, Alex. Just so you know, I, I do actually agree with you 100%. I, I, it's not been beneficial for RGV. It's not been beneficial for the Dynamo. It's, it's a vicious cycle, um, and it, it hurts mm-hmm. player development overall. Um, mm. and the biggest problem, it's not, it's not the relationship that hurts it. It's the dynamo organization that hurts it. It's the dynamo leadership that hurts it. Look mm-hmm. at other teams. They have the same types of relationships going on. They have the same types of organizations going on. The difference is mm-hmm. the way that they handle things from the top down mm-hmm. is totally different. I mean, just take a look at New York Red Bulls. They use some other Red Bulls too, uh, players. Later, man. Thank, mm-hmm. thank you, thank you, Sean. For, I'm gonna step for away, but Alex, good call, man. Good call. Um, what I was going to go thanks, Sean. S- yeah, uh, what I was gonna say is like, for example, Red Bulls. They use some of their Red Bulls two players for Concacaf Champions League, and where, look at where mm. they got look at where they got from. So he ha- he has a point. Now my question is, because I know there's a lot of people asking for independence from the Dynamo, but mm. does Alonso Cantu does. Uh, does our ownership have enough capital have uh, have enough funds mm. to not only do do you know do maintenance on the stadium on everything on HP mm. Park but to grab their own players pay them their salaries pay the play mm. the coaching staff you know it right now because it, right now right now the dynamo is paying all these players right uh as far as i know uh D- Sean do the Dynamo pay the players, or is it RGV? Because I think the financial aspects are with Toros. Dynamo pays them. Okay. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. Well, yes. I, I I understand completely, and and what you, what you're bringing up there, it, it's it's not like the Valley is a particularly rich place. We only have we don't have an ownership group. We just have one owner, mm-hmm. and so. You know, if we were to break off with, with the Dynamo, maybe there would be some sort of step down in quality among the players. But I think in the long run, it's what you need to do is start finding your own players and and building the team yourself. Because when when Sean asked that question to the previous caller, you know, who do you want specifically from the Dynamo? There's no one in specific I want from specifically I want from the Dynamo. I just want to be able to build our own team. And I think in the long run, that's how you're going to put butts in those seats is just building a team that has a chance of winning. I think right now, go ahead. No, go ahead. I think right now, Burke Garcia, our president, or um, Burke Garcia, the president, because he's not my, he's not my cup of tea. You know, he's focusing too much on the stadium itself to, to bring in people. Mm-hmm. And I think what you really need to do is just build a team that has a chance to win, and that's how you're going to invite people and attract people to going to see the, the club. I'm, I'm glad to bring that up, uh, Alex, because uh, Ray was at the uh, press conference for the America versus Pachuca game, and Ray mm-hmm. asked him directly, okay, what is RGVFC going to do 
to get these fans that come to see America, that come to see Pachuca, how are you going mm-hmm. to entice them to come and see RGV and support RGVFC week in and week out? Mm-hmm. I want you to take a wild guess at what his answer was. Uh, oh, you know, we don't worry about that. that that'll come in due time. Taps Ray on the, on the head. Exactly. He yeah. pretty much said, well, that's what these games are for. You know, that, so that mm-hmm. people can come and see the stadium and, and see mm-hmm. the facilities that we have. And, and mm-hmm. they'll, they'll, they'll come to us. No. Right. Even I was listening to that video that he sent me and I was so extremely disappointed. It was like, no, this is not a build it and they will come thing. You're seeing it. Right. There was an article on the Mm -hmm. monitor that said that the average so far uh, attendance last year was seven around the Mm -hmm. seven thousands. Right now, at this point, mm-hmm. we're at the 4,000s. What does that mean? You've brought in Tigres. You've brought in Rayados. You've brought in Santos. You've brought mm-hmm. in Chivas. Mm-hmm. And that is, mm-hmm. that is not helping bring attendance mm-hmm. to the Toros. Oh, yeah. Not to mention they've also brought in the CONCACAF Champions League. And exactly. we saw that crowd. Mm-hmm. And we saw those free friendlies for RGVFC mm-hmm. to play. Let's, and mm-hmm. maybe just a $5 pay and fee to watch RGVFC play uh, an MLS team named Houston Dynamo Mm. there, it was still really empty. So with with those types of things, once you come over here with the average being 4,000, you've lost fans from somehow doing that. And of course you're not getting because it's already maybe three years and this team hasn't really been progressing and then it's just losing fans. It's not going to work. Bert Garcia needs to go back to the drawing board and figure this thing out. If it means more advertising constantly, do it. Because leading up to things like that, leading up to the RGVFC Toros uh, games, there's not advertising until maybe a day before. And most of the advertising is done through social media. Very few mm-hmm. is done on actual television. And if anything... It's only done through Telemundo. It seems like they have some sort of uh, specific partnership with with, with Telemundo because that's a, the that's the the channel that goes and uh, for the most part covers the games. That's mm-hmm. the channel that goes and and uh, sometimes goes to the post conference interviews. I mean, mm-hmm. it's there's so many things wrong. It is almost it almost seems like Bert Garcia is oblivious, and that is why I want to have him on the show to further mm-hmm. explain why he's doing things the way he does and to get you mm-hmm. guys, you as the fans, an opportunity to go to have him face-to-face figuratively and ask him and tell him those concerns that we as fans have, how the, how the way team this team is being run. Because before, mm-hmm. uh, usually it was just interviews through Greg Luca through Facebook mm-hmm. Live, but very few right. of the questions... Or act were, that were put on the by the fans were actually answered. So I feel like this mm-hmm. time this is more a direct approach for for the uh, for the for the fans uh, for him to fully understand mm-hmm. unfiltered what the what the, the these fans feel about their team because obviously we all love this team, which is mm-hmm. why we're getting mad at the way things are run. 
So uh, Johnny says they really need a football-specific management team or Cantu needs to go back to the drawing board and get better management. Uh, I would support that. And, um, you know, I'm going to call the front office out right now. You, you know, you send your supporter liaison to the Stampede supporters meetings. Why don't you just send... Why don't you just send your president? I mean, you're already sending somebody who doesn't listen to us and doesn't really do anything except tell us what to do. Just send your very best if you're already doing so. And let us actually have a dialogue with someone who, who matters, which now, is Bert. Now, he, we have never, I'm sorry, the, the Stampede has never, has, the only time the Stampede has met with Bert was at a tailgate before a game, and it was unprofessional and very casual. And I really think you need to listen, Mr. Garcia, to what we have to say about how this club is being run. Now, which is interesting to point out because there were so many times where it was announced, oh, we're going to be we, we meet with Bert Garcia, I think minimum two or three times. And all of those mm -hmm. times, Bert Garcia canceled out at the last minute. So, yeah. And so, Johnny, I, also, uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yes, because Johnny says, I uh, bet he would go if it was the season ticket holders. In other words, where the money is. Surprise, surprise. Right. Well, I, I, I'm a former season ticket holder. In fact, before, before this current season started, I had gone to every season, every single Toros home game. I went when we were back at the university field. I've been to away games in Oklahoma and San Antonio and, you know, I just don't see the point. And I really want to ask you guys, what is the point if you're a Valley fan of supporting this team? <sighs> Jacob, go ahead and go first. The point of being a Valley fan. Well, it's obviously having pride in your team, no matter what the circumstances are. I think you need to support them no matter what. And then, of course... It, it, yes, it's so frustrating with the way that it's being run, but I also want to take into consideration, look at how the RGV Vipers were run. I'm talking about in 09, 10, they were horrendous. They didn't have a chance at a championship all the way until maybe 10 and 11, and that team had been around since like 06, 07, 08, and that's my point, since the beginning. And mm -hmm. stretched it along, we're looking at, yeah, 2011, they win the championship in the D-League. And, yeah. and 2012, I believe. So their success grew out of the blue. Or not out of the blue, but just out of a long period of time. Like Sean said, this team should grow as long as the point being that we don't just have that struggle. My, and, uh, my question is, if I recall correctly... The Vipers were originally owned by the Cavaliers. Uh, I don't know about that. Yeah, I have no I don't, idea. I, I don't doubt. I don't doubt you, Edson. I just I have no idea. If I if I recall correctly, I don't think that the Vipers were originally the uh, part of the Houston Rockets organization. I think the Houston Rockets may have bought them. Uh, I will have mm -hmm. I will have to verify, but I'm I could I, if I recall correctly, I could swear that. It was originally a Cavaliers thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so why do you bring that up? The reason is, and and it goes back 
Say again? It was three to five years before it was the Rockets. Yeah. Okay, so Sean says it was three to five years of ownership by the Cavaliers before they got uh-huh. sold to the Rockets. What I'm trying to okay. get at is Sean talked about organizations, you know, being mm. a, a huge factor in this, how the Dynamo is pretty much a, a crap show for the most part, uh, the way they're being run. Mm-hmm. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that the Rockets have done an exceptional job for their first team. Just look where they're at right now. They've been con- consistently yes. building. And I think that has right. that has been seen, you know, to a point where even in the because RGV Vipers were run correctly, so now you start seeing players like Capella, play uh, and other mm. ex uh, ex Vipers players doing good not only in the Rockets uh-huh. but it, but if they're sold to another NBA team. But it's the way the organization mm. runs this, and I think that's the mm. key diff. That's been the key difference uh, with uh, the the Vipers being doing so horrible in the first couple of years, and now doing mm. really good, being competitive under the Rocket under the Rockets ownership. So it mm-hmm. all boils down to what, how the organization is running this. And so I think I get Sean's point in saying we need to direct our attention, our anger towards the actual mm-hmm. front office rather than, mm-hmm. than, than the way, like, for example, like asking, asking for players. It's just, it's just, it's a broader mm-hmm. aspect of it. And I, I wish mm-hmm. it was as simple as uh, going up to Bert Garcia and telling, you know, telling what, what he what we feel because I just feel that they're kind of turning a blind eye to, to our, to our needs or wants. Well, I I think it also boils. I mean, you also have to look at, look at the fact that the D league is across the board. Every team in the league is an affiliate of an NBA team. Mm -hmm. And that's not the case in the USL. The USL has more and more every year. There's more and more independent clubs who are the first team who are signing players to play in the USL specifically. And I think, you know, if you look at last year, I think it was seven out of eight teams in the Western conference that made the playoffs were independent. And I think that's going to be the growing trend. And I, I mean, you know, as we move forward, I think we really need to go independent. But moving on, you know, if you were if you were to meet with Bert Garcia, what would be some of the questions you would ask him? Um, I think my my main question is, what is or why is marketing not extensive for for this team? Why the main, why are is it solely focused on social media? Right. Uh, that's that's right. one number, you, and then number two you can, you, is it is it go ahead. is it a budget constraint that is causing mm-hmm. this? I think that that would that would kind of be the complementary question to it. Uh uh-huh. Okay. And number two would be how much pull does the does the RGBFC organization actually have to influence how the Dynamo chooses their players, and why is it that if it's not mu- if it's not much, why? Right. Well, I think it's pretty clear that if Wilmer wants to have a player in the lineup, 
he's going to show up in the Toros lineup. Last year, uh, there was a defenseman for the t- for the Dynamo from Spain, Agustin. Agus? I don't know his last name. Agus or, or this, Raul Rodriguez? Agus. Mm-hmm. This guy, he's he's on his way out of the club at Houston, but he shows up somehow in the in the starting lineup for the Toros because I can only explain that as the Dynamo the Dynamo coaching staff said, well, we're gonna see just one more game if he's got anything in him, and so he shows up in the starting lineup. Never mind that he's never played with us. He shows up, and so that just shows that's just proof positive that the Dynamo are pulling the strings, even who starts for the Toros. And it, it comes to no surprise, and that's and that's what. And I just figured the way the way Coach Echeverri kind of talked about the way things were, were going to be, we felt that okay, maybe the, this this season, RGV is going to have a little bit more leniency into how the Toros are going to be lined up. But it appears that that's not the case. I mean, like I said mm-hmm. yesterday, you had two defensive players brought in that we didn't need, and they had to play mm-hmm. the, each their forty five minutes. Uh, as well, uh, the last time against Reno, you had Eric Bird come in the night before, Tuesday night, to play Wednesday morning at 10 in the morning against Reno 1868 and be put in, put in, in the starting lineup. How, how can mm-hmm. you expect this, this, the, this team to play well or, or adapt to the, the players who are brought down from the Dynamo with, with no mm-hmm. time to uh, get a better understanding of each other? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's if you look at our first season, we didn't have an amazing Let me rephrase that. If you look at our first season, the reason we had the success we did, the reason we finished second in the conference is because those players were those players had chemistry. They were playing with each other, practicing with each other on a daily basis and they were gelling and that's why they were able to overachieve. You know, if you, I mean, I hate to be cheesy, but if you look at Leicester City, when they won the Premier League, those players had so much, they were so comfortable playing with each other that they just knew when to cross the ball. They knew when, when it was the right time to pass and they had, they were gelling and that's why they were able to overachieve. And we're never going to have that degree of chemistry with the Toros when there's so much meddling with the roster. And exactly. Yeah, which brings, uh, which brings up to the point also that I also wanted to bring up, which is Open Cup. I mean, mm-hmm. in this year, for this next game with, with the Dynamo against uh, NTX Rayados, mm-hmm. RGB placed on the 4th of June against Real Monarchs away. The game mm-hmm. against NTX Rayados is between the 5th and the 6th of June. What does this mean? Are we going to have to play with the second stringers against Real Monarchs when we know we need points in order to try and make a playoff uh, playoff push because we've let go so mm-hmm. many points at home? But we're going to have to send some of our starters to the Dynamo because the Dynamo does want does not want to use uh, the, the their own se- second stringers or they want to fulfill the second stringers for because they don't want to use their first stringers against uh, mm-hmm. like as you can say. Uh, a scrub team, a fourth division team. So mm-hmm. we get the, so we get pretty much, and this is interesting. And I kind and I brought it up as well. Que chingones. O sea, 
they don't let the Dynamo or they don't let the Toros participate in Open Cup. But yet in the mm-hmm. in the early rounds of Open Cup, it's pretty much RGBFC with a with a Dynamo shirt playing. And who gets right. all the credit? The Houston Dynamo. Right. I mean, you got all these RGBFC players and they're playing against they're they're playing for fans that for the most part don't even care who they are. Mm-hmm. You know, it would be interesting, yeah. okay, okay, all right, so Okay, we'll send RGB players for the Dynamo, but the Dynamo's going to be playing their Open Cup matches at HGB Park. But they're not. Right. And as far as getting to know these players, you, you said the, the Dynamo fans, and I don't blame them, don't really care about these players. They're not in front of them every day. But I, if, you're, if you're in the RGV front office, we get to know these players. We, we remember Charlie Ward, Ward. We remember Jose Memo Rodriguez. We, we are fans of these guys, and it Eric. hurts us when, when they're being pulled away from us. We, if, if, I, I don't hate, honestly, I don't hate being associated with the Dynamo, but if, we're, if they're going to loan us players, loan, it, loan them to us for like the whole season, at least. Yeah, or... Minimum, actually plan out your your season, your roster for two complete teams mm-hmm. rather than – because it, it's at this point where they stretch themselves so far that the roster isn't filled neither for the Dynamo nor for the Toros. So both, both rosters are pretty stretched thin. Why? Because it wasn't mm-hmm. planned correctly. You see, right. with the Dynamo, it's only Ma- uh, Mauro Manotas and Max Steves. In, in 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 the uh, in the striker position, who else mm-hmm. besides Andrew Wenger? Okay, Andrew Wenger is now playing as a right back because of the uh, the mm-hmm. AJ De La Garza injury. You also have mm-hmm. David, Juan David Cabezas injured. You have Darwin Saren injured. You have so many injuries right now. Dylan Remick is out of concussion protocol. Not only that, you got Kevin Garcia injured. Uh, Jared Watts injured. Uh, who who else? Uh, George Malky injured. So, mm-hmm. what does that mean? That they, they really did not plan out the, uh, a good, really in-depth roster for the Dynamo. And because they didn't do that, what makes, like you said, what makes you think that they're going to do the same, they're going to put in the same attention or, or better attention to, the, to their mm-hmm. farm team? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I think... That last phrase you used sums it up for me. Look, if you're listening to this podcast and you're a Toros fan, don't settle for farm team, okay? We don't need that, and we definitely don't need the official RGVFC Twitter going out there and saying congratulations to our parent club for the three points tonight in MLS. We don't need that. If you're listening to this and you're a Toros fan, I urge you, just be more opinionated and, and ask more of your club because we're in the USL. We've got a stadium and we've got a population big enough to do more than just be a farm team. And just ask more for yourself, guys. If you're a fan of this team, just I, I, I get it. I, I, I want to see this team win the USL Cup. I want to see this team beat an MLS team in the Open Cup. I want the same things you guys do. Just, just don't be afraid to ask for it. Don't be afraid to be independent. So 
I'm going to leave you with that, Edson. And uh, I also just want to say, you know, congr- you know, felicidades on this great channel that you have down in the valley. You know, I'm so proud of you and the Thank great you. job that you do. And I'm going to give a shout out to Ray Silva. I've met Ray, and he's I agree with him a lot on a lot of things, and and he does some great work as well. Cesar Cortez and Jacob Young, you guys are, are really great, and I'm just really proud of you guys for all the work you do. So just keep it up and, you know, never doubt yourself because people are listening. Thank you so much, man. We really, really appreciate your words, and thank you so much for, for calling and uh, giving us uh, your opinion, man. Really appreciate it, and uh, hope, to, hope to see you uh, at, a, at a game or – or at least continue uh, communications through uh, social media, man. Yep. All right, man. All right. Bye, guys. Thank you. All right, man. Enjoy the rest of your evening. So, <laughs> Cesar says hi to Alex. So, Alex, if you're still listening, is uh, Cesar says hi. So, want to go back to some of the comments that were brought up. Um, so, Apparently, there's been a goal for the Coyotes, uh, Juan Ibarra in the 10th minute, and then uh, Guillermo Delgado tied has tied for the Toros in the 31st minute. So it's 1-1 between the RGVFC second, uh, second string uh, players and the FC Brownsville Coyotes. Um, so Johnny mentioned, well, any chance of getting out of that partnership? Uh, apparently not. Uh, we have another call, so let's see who, who it is. Welcome to Down in the Valley. Who, who am I speaking with? Hey, Essen. Me, Cesar. Hey, how are you doing, Cesar? Doing good. I'm at the, uh, the friendly Coyotes and RGV. Excellent. So what, how is how is it looking so far? So far, so good. The Coyotes, for this being their first inaugural season, they're showing a lot of uh, promise right now. We've already had one goal from in the 10th minute. By um, by number seven Juan Ibarra, mm-hmm. and um, more recently before the half, well, half ended, they're playing 30, uh, 35 minute half. Okay. We had uh, we had Toros Guillermo Delga- uh, Guillermo Delgado in the thirty first minute mm-hmm. with a goal inside the, with a goal inside the box. So the lineup, uh, I can assume it's uh, second tiers. Uh, so uh, for RGVFC. Yeah, looking at my notes here, we have some familiar faces like Manny Padilla, Pablo Aguilar, Ontiveros, and Jorginho James. Okay. We have uh, um, we have uh, some new ones like David Cabrera, Zach Jackson, Sheldon Sullivan, Guillermo De- Delgado, another one, uh, Bryce, uh, Bryce Marizon, I believe his Marion. name. Marion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Connor Donovan is another returning one. Um, I don't think Corti is in starting this match. I would assume it would be Matt it's, Sanchez. Actually, it's—I believe it is. I don't know. They—I wasn't able to get the lineup on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So interesting lineup. And, seeing David Cabrera, seeing Jorginho James, and that's another question I have. What? What's up with? What? What aspect of Jorginho James does not fill Coach Echeverri's eye? What is it about Jorginho James? He's an experienced player. He's a strong player. He can shoot outside the box. We've seen him many times. You know, right. what aspect of it does it makes Jerson Echeverri not put him at all? I mean, I'm not saying mm-hmm. that, that neither that uh, Todd Warden or Nicolas Perea are doing a bad job, but I could easily would prefer to have Jorginho instead of Matias Aldivar. 
or right. Montaño. You can try to, mm-hmm. have, yeah, you, you can try to have some variation where you can actually have Jorginho, you know, in, in the lineup. But, I mean, it's like they say, we're not out there and during practices. We don't see what Jerson Echeverri sees. It's just something that really catches everybody's eye. The why Jorginho right. isn't playing. And there, it's not just one person. It's not just me saying it. I've heard comments from Jacob about a mistake and asking that as well. My dad asked, has asked that as well. Um, mm-hmm. So how are you doing, Leo Salinas? Uh, welcome, to, welcome to the broadcast. So other than that, so what have you seen so far from the Toros? This game. So far, I've seen a lot of um, a lot of gaps that the Coyotes have been able to penetrate. They've had so many opportunities to to take shots on goal. They've had at least at least three um, at least three shots on goal. Um, Toros, on the other hand, have had uh, five, but only one has found the back of the net. Which is which really is really is worrying some. So you're saying that you got Bryce Marion and Sheldon Sullivan. I'm assuming they're playing as wingers. And the fact that really has been one on target. I'd have I'd have to see exactly you know what's going on. So hold on, I think it's Ray Silva calling. Hopefully we'll be able to have him out at the same time. Hey Ray, how are you doing? Uh, say sorry, are you still there? Hey. Yes, good evening, folks. How are you guys? Cesar, are, are, are you still there? Yes. No, Cesar, because he, he was on right now. Hold on. Cesar. Uh, hold on. We may have lost him, folks. Uh, Cesar, if you're still, this, if you're still watching, um, can you go ahead and call my personal phone number? I'll post it on the chat, and that way uh, I have it ready so I can have two phone numbers uh, at the same time. So go ahead, uh, I'll, I'll put it in the chat, my, my phone number. That way, that way we can have both you and uh, Ray on it at the same time. So, so Ray, uh, how's it going, man? It's going great. What are your, thought, what are your thoughts so far on, the, on this, uh, this debate that, we, that we've had so far? Uh, look, this is um, okay. Just refresh my mind. I, I lost the last five minutes of it, and and I kind of forget like who had the who had that final uh, say on it. Just kind of recap the last five minutes of it, please. Uh, okay, so 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 basically, it, it was more more along the lines that for, that it the Toros need to form some sort of independence with their scouting with their with their roster and not having to rely too much on the Houston Dynamo because as an organization Dynamo have not done things correctly roster wise not even for their own club well that, you know it's got to be equal blame in my opinion it's got to go both ways Cesar, got... Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. All right, excellent. Continue, Ray. The Toros have to do a little bit. I uh, have to take a little bit of the freedom to get some of these players, whether they're from the college level or whatever other level that they may have uh, played at. You know, mm-hmm. even if it's within the U.S. the USL, like uh, for example, 
Uh, they had Murphy as a good opportunity to come back as a free agent to them, like independently from the Dynamo, like assign him to a free agent contract. Let that him yellow walk out card that was way. for Georgina? Georgina with a yellow. Okay. Yeah. All right. In the fifth minute of the second. So. Excellent. So, uh, Ray, I, I think, and that, and that goes to what uh, Sean had also mentioned with the fact that maybe the fact that we're not seeing players return to the RGVFC Toros because maybe they're tired of, uh, or they don't like how this organization is being run. And that's mm-hmm. why they don't run want to renew with RGVFC. Yeah, there may be something to that as well, too. I mean, you take a look at it. You lose, you have three coaches in three seasons. That's not being steady or consistent with a foundation there. Mm-hmm. That's just something to look at within itself. And then you follow it up with the way it's run. I mean, maybe we're not privy to all these things as outsiders. Not defending them, but, you know, I'm just trying to put everything into a balance. Mm -hmm. Now, everything that we've seen in the last two seasons, it's been like, oh, boy, what is this? Uh, what is this going to lead up to, you know? And right now we're to the point where maybe if we were independent, maybe if we were not independent, who knows? Who knows? I mean, it's just it's something that I would like to personally see out in the future. Yeah, and I think and I think not only you, but a lot of fans are, are asking for that. But like, Oh, I, hell yeah. But like I also told uh, uh, Alex about it, because he mentioned it as well, uh, who, by the way, uh, sends you greetings, uh, Ray. So, But what I, what uh-huh. I told him was, okay, there, we need, we need uh, an independence movement. RGVAC becomes an independent. Does Alonso Cantu have enough capital? To now not only have to deal with stadium maintenance and everything, but also player wages, player signings, play, you know, play, you know, purchase, uh, purchasing power for it. Does Alonso Cantu not only he maybe not have the capital, and maybe he does, but is he willing to spend all that well, money by himself for this? Well, you you bring that up yourself, okay? Maybe not at the Division Two level, but maybe at the Division Three. Where the cost, where the cost could be significantly uh, cut down. Um, I mean, there's like a massive cost difference between the D3 and the D2 team. I could actually see that type of team with that type of stadium working out in the Division Three level, or maybe you might not need as much. A capital and whatnot to be successful and to be at an operating style. So you mentioned to me during the day uh, because you brought up uh, FC Frisco uh, and how they're planning to to open up a D three D three team for themselves. Do you see so? And Harry asked me this as well. Do we see the Dynamo making that decision to move the Toros to D three? Okay, that's going to depend on two factors itself. A, the financial capital. 
and then B, the organization itself. Yeah. Where do you so where do you see the more logical aspect, the way things have been run? What if you could make a, a prediction? Do you see them moving RGB to the USLD three? I actually see them keeping them. If if the Dynamo want to go through D three, I say they give the Toros the independence. Now, that being said, should that happen, um, I actually see them moving down to D three if the Toros become fully independent. Should the Dynamo uh, don't want to uh, continue this hybrid relationship. That's mm -hmm. just me. Bring, you I can see the Toros jumping independently, moving down to D3, and, uh, and perhaps at, at some point, hopefully that they can find like another investor where they can move back up to Division Two. So I leave this I leave this question up to the guys who are listening to us right now uh, via YouTube, and uh, to those who will be listening this uh, in the uh, podcasted version. Do you prefer to RGVFC to remain a Division Two team, but continuing with this hybrid partnership with the Dynamo, or would you sacrifice being that the RGVFC become a D three team, but Fully autonomous, fully independent from from the Houston Dynamo. I leave I leave that question up not only to uh, to you guys here that are that are watching this live stream, but I will also put it in the uh, I will also put it in, on Twitter as a poll. I would like to see what you what what would you all think about uh, in this aspect. So really really great good uh, question that you brought up, uh, Ray. Another question I wanted to bring up because you brought it up in, in the uh, Down in the Valley chat, and that is you mentioned that there was an article, or somebody mentioned there was an article uh, in regards to um, attendance that was brought up by uh, the, the monitor. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what what do you think? And and I and I want to couple it with the with the interview that that uh, Bert Garcia had with you when the, when they announced the uh, America Pachuca game because I think it goes hand in hand because he mentioned okay. yeah because he mentioned that they're not really going to do anything special to get the fans that go to these uh, Liga MX games to come uh, continuously and support the Toros because they, they, they see it as a building and they will come thing. But yet you see the, these, these average attendances and you, you see like, Hey, you know what? This isn't working. And yet they still are oblivious to that fact. Well, here's the thing. One thing that, one thing that I noticed during last night's game was that the total, the total should have jumped on this sooner than what they did last night. They had an announcement on the video board. If you buy like a, a six pack, uh, they were going to throw in the tickets during, for the America game. Um, they're going to throw in the tickets for the America game if you bought the six pack. Mm -hmm. Now the six packs range anywhere from from one hundred and forty seven dollars to two hundred and fifty dollars for premium seating. Mm -hmm. 
Now, my thing is, okay, fine. But why couldn't they do this sooner, you know? Tickets, individual game day tickets are going to go on sale on Monday, Memorial Day. Yes. So, with that, with, with that in mind, shouldn't they have done something to uh, promote, it, promote that a little bit more? Now, with regards to the question that I had that I asked Bert, maybe I should have rephrased that, you know? I mean, what are you going to do in order to trade in the cream and yellow, the, the cream and blue for some orange and black? What are you going to do to trade in the navy blue and white for the orange and black? What are you going to do to trade in the uh, Vegas gold yellow and the royal blue for some white and royal blue of the Toros? What are you going to do? In order to attract more jersey sales, more fans, more everything, that's the way I should have asked that question. Not not the uh, response of, if we build it, they will come. We know they're going to come because they're big names. But you're trying to build a nice fan base where maybe you might want to bring a sponsor from Mexico City or Monterey, Mexico, every 15 days to come and enjoy a uh, a nice quality uh, Division II uh, a soccer team. Just because the fact that we aren't MLS or Division One sanctioned doesn't make us any lesser than the teams that you bring. Mm-hmm. Of course, yes, you're going to get whitewashed by those teams. But still, no excuse. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I just think that the way Bert Garcia is running this, it's almost and and Jacob, you mentioned it. I, it was either you or that said that it's almost like the actual team, the actual Toros, are second, uh, second tier to the stadium. So it's stadium needs first, and then the Toros. When it should be the other way around. Should be the focus should be on the team, and then the stadium is just, for example, like it complements the team. Yeah, it, it really does just complement the team. Uh, it's it's just weird, and of course, RGVFC's going into this whole thing of you know building a team down here. Everyone's super excited. And then you build this beautiful stadium that takes longer than expected, first off. So it looks like you have a good fan base in the practice fields. Then you turn to this stadium for the second tier. May I remind you, for the USL. And it's almost completely empty, basically. Regular, you know, attendance for for that first year in the new stadium was obviously 7,000 when we talked about it, you know, dropping to 4,000 here. And then, but you have these players that get, you know, pulled out constantly and it doesn't help with the attendance and the way that the marketing is. Mm-hmm. And then it builds into this, this frustration of now you're going to move them down to tier three when or you could move them down to tier three when they have a beautiful stadium and it, it it's just, it, it's confusing it's tough and 
every single time that you know we're going to talk about this, we're going to get more and more frustrated. Change I mean, needs uh, to un- be done. Unfortunately, unfortunately, we don't have many casual soccer fans down here. Un- 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 unfortunately, we the the organization needs to continue building on trying to get more casual fans and more a diehard fans other than than us that that produce the show and try to um, build up more of a fan base, you know. It it, it kind of bites to to even be in that predicament. You know, it's uh, one of those things where you kind of, uh, you know, you're going to lose your casual fan. And unfortunately, it's showing in the... um, it's showing in the in the in the attendance numbers where we've fallen like all the way down to like 12 or 15 with just over 4,000 fans. And now you're going to risk losing even half or even more of those uh, 4,000 fans to a lower tier. That's a little bit scary and worrisome. Yeah, and that's why, and that is why I wanted to post that question because I wanted to see. Okay, so it's kind of one of those things where, like, uh, be careful what you wish for because it may come true. Where, okay, so everybody wants independence. All right, fine. And then Dynamo says, "Okay, fine. Have your independence, but you're going to be moving down to D three. If it's hard enough to." Convince people to go watch the Toros because the first question, excuse me, the first question that they ask is, well, where do they play or what division do they play? Oh, well, they play in, in the second division. Ah, I'm not going. It's hard enough to go uh, for an MLS team, which is first division, to uh, to get fans. And you see it right now with the Dynamo. It will be extremely even more difficult for us to say, oh, well, D3. Division three. People want people want to support the best of the best. Now, the most ideal thing for it to happen, the most ideal thing for it to happen, would be if the USL breaks off from the MLS. That would be the most ideal point. Because back then, USL had. First division, second division. And now you can you can put into play like, okay, we can separate those teams that are fully established with full independent stadium from those that have to use like a separate stadium to um, to play like at a baseball field or or at a place that doesn't even re- uh, meet the uh, U.S. Soccer Federation sanctioning. Yeah, definitely. Cesar, you there? Hey, I just yeah calling in to report some goal news from from Coyotes and RGBFC. In the 14th minute, we have Zach Wright for a goal for the photo. Oh, my bad, Zach Jack. Okay, and who scored? And you said uh, that FC Brownsville also also scored. No, this is a goal for the Toros. Okay, so it's 2-1 in favor of the Toros. 2-1. Yeah. 
Okay, excellent. So, Cesar, we've heard... So we've heard uh, uh, the thoughts from Ray. You've, you all have obviously heard our thought, mine and Jacob's thoughts for the most part. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Why is Instagram giving me all these notifications? Get out of here. Um, what are your thoughts on this discussion, Cesar? Um, honestly, I, I have to like wholeheartedly agree about the whole the, the team being second tier to the whole stadium itself. It honestly felt like another Dodge Arena or Fort Ogden Arena, you know, to host more events rather than to actually what it was meant for, which was the team itself. Yes. The attendance numbers for any other events have been higher. And it's honestly really embarrassing for the uh, for the Thorks themselves as a club to be outshined by other events like Nitro Circus concerts that have been coming to the Valley. Definitely, but it almost seems like the, the organization is shooting themselves in the foot because it, it, it almost seems like self-sabotage where because of the fact they focus so much more on every other event than than with the toros, than making sure that people come and watch the toros. Right, and they they are shooting them, so it's a, it's a bit of a double-edged sword kind of. Because you've got this amazing stadium, but yet a team that doesn't seem to be able to don't flat out win. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that also, again, maybe it does hold tie back to us being uh, an affiliate for Houston. Maybe it does tie into them taking our players. I don't know. Yeah, it's just the lack of consistency has, has really shown at this team. But like I mentioned before, like you can't really expect perfection out of it uh, for the second tier team when they can't even get perfection on their first team so we're kind of we're kind of screwed and just like i said on tuesday with the dash you know it's time that houston, the houston organization takes a whole a huge and hard look a long and hard look at themselves and how they're being run and say hey you know what Maybe we're not. Maybe we are not ready to carry the to carry this uh, this responsibility of not only having your USL team, but you also have Brazos Valley Cavalry and you also have the Dash. And for the most part, Dash and RGV have not, and not even the Dynamo themselves, like I said, are being run correctly. So. Do they have to go back to basics? Is that will that be the best thing to the to for them? I don't know. Only they can only they can come up with that decision. So I think it can be run even further than that. Now that you think about it, going further from that, the, yeah, sure. Houston, the Houston organization hasn't been run correctly. But I bet you, in some way, shape, or form, they're taking a look at the United States Soccer Association and how that is run. And we see how that has been run, and we've seen what ha- has happened for this 2018 World Cup as USA misses it. So they probably, in a sense, took a look at that and said, that is a good idea. Let's implement that. But guess what? That messed them up and it has it's put Houston in a predicament where they don't have enough depth 
they can't give RGVFC players, but RGVFC sometimes can give them players and then be out of depth with their own plot. Eyes, we're going to see this happen to the Brazos Valley to the Brazos Valley Calvary in about a year or two, where they're, sure, they're going to have a fantastic first season, but it's going to go downhill from there. It just, I bet you it will. Yeah, and de- I think that definitely what's going to come. So, Cesar, what uh, in what minute are they at right now? I believe, well, the clock's been a little bit wonky. Now it's actually counting backwards. That seems legit. All right. Um, I believe this is like the uh, 20, 25th minute. All right, so we got 10 minutes to go in the second half uh, for this game. So hopefully, uh, Jerson Echeverry takes a good, good look, good hard look at this team and prepare ourselves for this Open Cup match uh, with the Houston Dynamo. See what players will be probably grabbed from the from the from the Toros and taken to brought over here to Houston for this game against NTX Rayados. So, uh, speaking of which, yeah. Speaking of which, do y'all guys have any questions for Profes? Uh, Ray? Hello. Uh, do you have any questions right now for Coach Echeverry uh, after, for, after this game? I think my, my question would be, uh, because of the fact that we're probably going to be losing some players uh, for for uh, this for Open Cup match, do you see this this second string uh, team or the, or this team that played against the, the the Coyotes as a viable option to continue uh, in uh, USL play uh, during in the duration that the Dynamo is in the Open Cup? I think that would be my question. So, so, let me see if I can word this right. So, like, losing losing players for the Open Cup, um, what do you see? Taking the, taking the game that you've just seen right now, do you think any of these will be... All right, well, do it. Word it again so that I know how to ask him. <laughs> Do you, from these players that play today against the uh, against the Coyotes, do you see these players being able to substitute uh, the the any potential players that will be called by the Dynamo for Open Cup matches uh, to not affect greatly our our, our performance in the U.S. in the USL uh, play? Okay, Jacob, you got any yours? other questions? Yeah, my, my question would be. Um, who was really able to stick out? Who would you be willing to put back, put back into the, well, I, I take that back. Oh, that was a bad question, but it would be, so yeah, basically who caught your eye and who would be worth putting in as even a super sub throughout, well, go, yeah, who would be. Did any of Who these would players you fill super sub? Yeah, for for um, Real Monarchs. Yeah, that, that, or that's... even a starter, maybe. I mean, we know for sure that, like, for example, the players like Manny Padilla, that you know, that is obviously going to 
not going to be a problem. The problem would be right. like if we lose Aldo Quintanilla, if we, uh, you know, who's going to go up and and, uh, and replace them? Oh. Have they done? Have Sorry they... to cut you off. Toros have a penalty within the 30th minute. Okay, let it, let us know. Let us know who, uh, if they make it. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and wrap this up, guys, because we are about five minutes from 9 a.m. and uh, 9 p.m. And that's because I didn't have the I was going to say nice. If you're yeah. in New Zealand time, 9 a.m. sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, crap. I'm late for work. <laughs> um, but, yeah. So... Jesus Christ, i got to get up in two hours. <laughs> right? So, yeah. So it was an interesting... Farmersonly.com. Ding, ding. <laughs> Down in the Valley, brought to you by FarmersOnly.com. Go for Toros! Who scored it? I'm trying to look right now. They, they, they're wearing their practice jersey, so I can't... Oh, well, that doesn't help. Yeah. <laughs> really tiny numbers I'm working with here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, so just let us let us know uh, on Twitter. Uh, uh, put on All Twitter. I know is that the score is 3-0. 3-0 uh, or 3-1? Oh, 3-1, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. So, 3-1. So, we can go ahead and say and safely assume that uh, the RGB Toros have defeated uh, the FC Bronzo Coyotes. Al menos que no pase una tragedia. <laughs> it was a really slow start, but they managed to... <laughs> hey, you never know. You never know. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So, um... Viene el centro y viene el remate. Gol. Pasó la tragedia. Señores y señores. But, um, yeah, so. Un mexicano. <laughs> so, I really want to take the time because we're four minutes away. I really want to take the time to thank every one of y'all who, uh, who stayed and watched this whole, this whole show. Thank everybody who participated uh, with, with their calls. With their opinions, I want to thank you, uh, you guys, Jacob, Ray, Cesar, for keeping us up uh, up to date. You know, with information, with uh, with with your thoughts on, on this discussion. I want to thank Sean uh, for and, jumping and by the up way, it was and being Greg devil's Lusso advocate. Who, who threw? Who followed up with some numbers on the attendance? Greg Luca on the monitor, who has uh, already told me that he wants to participate someday soon. Yeah, yeah. Just, just get, get, get. Um, if you can get in contact with him and kind of get settled on on a date where he wants to uh, come on the show, he's more than welcome. I'll line him up. All right, man. Yeah, just let me know. So, um, you guys have have any last words before before we we sign off for the day? Nope. I'm good. Nope. All right. I just. I just basically say this, um, and real quick, even with the LA Galaxy two game that we had here, I was really impressed with the refing. The ref that we had, we've only had him twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mal, I believe if I'm reading this correctly, Malik Badawi. Mm-hmm. I probably butchered that yep. name, but Badawi, fan- yeah. yeah, fantastic ref. He was able to really call the game well, and I was impressed from, obviously, the last time that we had a ref, and he wasn't too, too good. So, really impressed with that. I wish that we had more refs like that in the USL. I, ho- I ho- really hope so, too. There, there's, there's, We have a long way to go when it comes to refereeing. 
So uh, thank you guys uh, for, for helping us out, Ray, Cesar. Uh, go ahead and if there's any different any changes to this to this uh, score, please let, let me know uh, on the chat so I can post it on on Twitter. Uh, Ray, thank you so much for joining us as well. Thank you for for helping thank us you. out with the uh, the press conference. And I no do want to say this: I really want to have Bert Garcia. Like I said before, I want to have Bert Garcia on the show. Hopefully, we can have him next week. And I really want this to be a really informative show for the fans. Try to at least put pressure so that there can be a lot more transparency between the team and the fans. Because I think it's the minimum that we can, that we can deserve. And maybe the Dynamo may not have it, but we sure as hell want RGVSC to be the light in this organization and have this transparency. So if I, it, I agree. So if it really? happens, prepare your questions because I think Bert Garcia is going to have an interesting time if he does come on. And we'll make sure that, and if he doesn't, and if he for some reason, you know, does, bails out in the last minute, then he's the only one that's going to look bad because he's not uh, putting, putting his face in front of the fans who have questions, who have concerns about how this team is run. In the end, what are you hiding? So thank you, guys. Prepare your questions, and I'll let you know if I am able to, to get him on next week or maybe the following week. But I'll, I'll let you all know, and I'll let you guys, the fans, know as well. So thank you, guys. Uh, have, have a good evening. And uh, we're gonna, we're, Jacob and I are going to go ahead and sign off in a little bit. So uh, enjoy the rest of your day, guys. All right, thanks for having me on the show, guys. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Anytime. Later, Ray. All right. Bye. So, Jacob, interesting. Uh, it was an interesting show today. Well, final thoughts? Yeah, final thoughts. Yeah, what an incredible show. Not going to lie. This has been the best one that I've been a part of for sure. And, I mean, so much that we were able to discuss and just talk about, and it really impressive. Obviously, there's still so much more that we can still get into because right now it's a mess, and there's only a couple ways that you can fix it, not just to mention, obviously, Houston Dynamo and RGVFC-affiliated th things, but just also to mention how RDVFC has been playing for this past month. And, I mean, there's still so much more that we can say. What can they change? What can happen? Just everything like that. Plus, the next game is coming up close to close to the Open Cup, and it, it's scary what's going to happen then. And, it, and hopefully, in my opinion, hopefully all those guys that are on, you know, the Houston Dynamo injury list can come back for that game, just for that Open Cup game. You have Felipe Sindros uh, hurt with something. Even Kevin Garcia has been hurt a couple of times. I believe uh, uh, he's got a hamstring. Let me go ahead and pull off, pull up the injury report for the Dynamo. That yeah. Uh, who else? It was, oh yeah, for sure, Dylan Remick. Because Dylan Remick's a really good key to have 
when you have a DeMarcus Beasley that can play a really good game and then sometimes have a slower game, that's when you put in Dylan Rimmick to give DeMarcus Beasley that veteran arrest and just those players. Yeah, because now we have Adam Lugvist and uh, what's his name, Jared Watts, but just just not really. I don't think they're ready yet. Um, so the Dynamo right now, in, with their injury report, we have AJ De La Garza with a torn left ACL. He's still uh, in recovery. Juan David Cabezas with a left quad injury. Philippe Senderos right hamstring injury. George Malky with a left knee sprain, knee sprain, Dylan Remick with a concussion, Kevin Garcia with a left hamstring injury, Jared Watts with a right hamstring injury, and Darwin Saren with a leg injury. Out of those one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players that are out for injury, six of them are defenders. Two of them midfielders with defensive tendencies. That pretty much uh, says uh, everything, the, you know, how tight or how stretched out this roster is due to these injuries and why they ended up having to bring, the, bring in Adam Lundqvist and having to sacrifice Charlie Ward in order to bring him in. Exactly. But you get, you will most likely get at least three of those players back for the Open Cup. I see Dylan Remick getting cleared for concussion protocol anytime soon. And then Kevin Garcia, same deal. I think his hamstring strain should be over, and even the left knee sprain for George Malky should be over. You send those guys over, and of course you sacrifice having Eric Bird. You put him in the lineup for that game, Open Cup. Then you're left with a couple of players that could come to the RGB, but most likely won't. You Maybe you keep Jared Watts and, um, yeah, just basically maybe Jared Watts, someone like that, in the RGV, bring them up to uh, bring them up to Salt Lake City there and have some balance there. If the injuries can, you know, be okay, then you have a bit of a mixed lineup from the, the bench of the RGV or not the RGV, excuse me, of Houston to be put in for that one Open Cup game. And I, I can see that happening. Now, before we go, uh, I, I went ahead and let's go ahead. I kind of mentioned that I wanted to do this uh, during the day. But let's go ahead and take a look at the Dynamo roster. And then we can take a look at the RGV roster. Now, we know más o menos who are the starting, who's the starting eleven for our, for the Dynamo, and now we know the players who are out with an injury right now. So, when you take out those players, you're left with Eric Bird, Kevin Garcia, but he's injured, Luis Gil, Adam Lundqvist. Michael Nelson, Memo Rodriguez, Chris Seitz, Max Steves, and that's it. So, it seems to me that the Dynamo, if they don't want to play their first or most of their starting 11 against NTX Rayados, they're going to have to get a lot of RGB players to, to try 
to fill that roster for uh, for Open Cup action. And that, like I said, it's not including players that can potentially come out, come back and come out of that uh, injury report. So you're talking about one, two, three, four, five players, five, six players. And a lot of them are pretty much in the same position. So you're talking, they're probably going to get Aldo. They're probably going to get Todd Warden. They're probably going to get Jorginho James. They're probably going to get uh, Chuy Enriquez. They're, pro- they're probably going to end, end up getting Connor Donovan and Kyle Adams as well. So you're seeing, you're seeing most of our starting 11 going to be sent to go play uh, against uh, NTX Rayados which means that we're probably going to see the team that played today against the um, uh, against FC Brownsville. It's prob- you're probably going to see that team playing against Real Monarchs. Yep. Uh, I see that too now. Especially just looking at this lineup, it it's just almost reminds me of risk and this is a great analogy remember you get all these play you get all these um, army men kind of in risk mm-hmm. and you go into one battle and then you're able to spread them out after a while we'll fortify I think yeah and then you end up spreading yourself way too thin with just one guy trying to block a border yes that's basically what we have done that's basically what we've created. And it's it's stressful. Luckily, if I'm not mistaken, there's still the transfer window is still open. Of course, I doubt that Houston wants to sign or yeah, sign anyone else because I think they might be over their limit. But both teams need players because depth is really important. Definitely. And even then, I see RGV having a little bit more depth as far as roster man-wise than the Dynamo. But talent-wise, I'm not so sure. So, and I think that's the difference, uh, or that's the problem that, that we have in, in this organization. So, I'm going to go ahead and, and end the show on this note. Uh, I want to thank you all uh, for being with us throughout this whole show. I want to thank our friends at the Beautiful Game Network uh, for having the trust in having us part of their uh, of their uh, USL podcast network, uh, for having uh, syndicating our, you can say, our podcast through Stitcher, Google Play Store, and iTunes. I want to thank as well uh, our Sean and, and, and uh, Embrace Fusion for hosting down in the RGV.com as well as Sean for making a, an appearance and, like I said, playing Devil's Advocate uh, as, a, as a 100% Dynamo fan. Uh, pretty much got, we pretty much, and that's what I liked about the show. We got both sides of the coin. We, we, each under, we understood our, our, our different point of views, and I think that is what, I think that's what we needed. I think we, I think we needed, uh, we got, our, we got too, a little too carried away with, with, our, with our feelings uh, today, including myself. Where we and and and, it, and it's no excuse for me since I follow both both teams and it, like Sean mentioned many times 
I knew all this stuff, why this is being run like that. And yet I decided to ignore it and let my feelings take over uh, my, my tweets during the day. What a, I think that sounds like a specific someone, but I'm not going to talk about it. It's just sad. Uh, but, you know, hope, hope this, uh, this, uh, this gets better in the, in the future. Um, I don't know if we're going to have to have some sort of patience or just hope that, that we get some sort of uh, ability to stay afloat with some independence. But it's a good it's a good topic. We actually went over the our, our our two our two hours straight. No breaks. No no uh, no water breaks. No no half five, you know five ten minute break. It was all continuous two uh, two hours and fifteen minutes of just talking about this. And I really appreciate everybody. Uh, so thank you all. I hope you all have a great night tomorrow or. Right now, I will be making sure that um, this podcast goes up on SoundCloud. So be sure to, if you missed parts of it, be sure to catch it on there. And then catch it, uh, if you can, on Google Play Store and iTunes when they do come out on Stitcher. Be sure to subscribe and help us out in that regard. Um, thank you, Jacob, for once again uh, coming, on, uh, coming on the show and uh, bringing your, your expertise uh, onto the table. And uh, we'll see each other next week. All right. See you later. All right. Take care, man. You too. Bye. Bye. So thank you all and have a good night. We'll see each other next Wednesday. This time it should be next Wednesday, 7 p.m. 7 p.m. next Wednesday for episode 22. Hopefully we will have... Uh, Bert Garcia or maybe a player on but don't miss it and like I said be sure to continue calling phone lines will, will always be open on the show so you can get us your opinions because we might have different opinions and it's good to know uh, the, the different viewpoints have a good night Yeah, you too, man. What a show. Yep. Yeah. These Yeah, these types of shows is what we need. It's what the people love, um, 
have a flute. Yeah. Alright. Alright. You too. Later.